loud outside. All those birds chirping. And decided to just go to the office, maybe get some coffee, read some more Second Kings. We've, uh, I'm still waking up. Oh boy. Oh. Okay. Today's Thursday. Typically I have uh, during the summer I I actually am at my office most of Thursday, but uh, your mom has some scheduling thing. Luckily, I have flexibility with my job for now. So I'm going to be with you today. Yesterday, we uh, kind of handcuffed with uh, a few things. I, I want to do so much with you guys yesterday, but you have swim lessons, I get a one. And then I had court at 2 and 3.30. So there's not a lot I could do. So we're, um, Misty out. So we, um, I decided, uh, we just stayed in. I made a roast chicken meal with mashed potatoes and stuffing. Stuffing didn't really turn out that good. But too much butter. Your mom came home and made some green bean casserole. It was extremely unhealthy. And uh, we're hanging around the kitchen table. And, and uh, we really wanted ice cream. So I went to go get ice cream. And one of my friends from grad school texted me. And I have not seen her in whew, a long time. I'd say six or seven years. Still keeping contact over social media, but she texted me and said she's down the street at a, at a restaurant, and so I, on my way to get ice cream, I, I stopped and said hi to her, I was so excited, it um, brought back like a thousand memories, in grad school, she, I think she was, I think she was the president of our uh, graduating class, I think. And we would hang out a lot. Um, pure friends. There's no nothing, nothing going on there. Just really good friends, and we hit it off. Me and your mom went to her Halloween party that her parents threw. It was really cute. Her parents, everyone, by the way, loves your mom. Your mom always gave the best impressions the best first impressions. Your mom showed this big party. It was like, it's it's in Antioch, also, which is kind of far from, you know, we went to grad school in San Francisco, but there was a ton, ton of people there, ton of, ton of my classmates there. We were in a, we, we took one class, we were in the same class together, employment discrimination, I remember this. <laughs> oh gosh, so we're in this class, and the whole point of the class is to understand employee discrimination and, and when employers 
might be crossing the line. And the final is you have to do a mock uh, arbitration or mediation with another group of students who, you know, one, is you, one of you represents the employee side, one of you represents the employer side. Well, some of the students just didn't show up to the final or they didn't want to. I, I don't know what it was, but we ended up going up against the teacher who had been practicing employee employment discrimination, you know, for 30 years, so we're going up against a guy who actually knows the stuff, and me and my friend Rebecca, we were on in our own group, and so we're doing mediation, and we get way more than all the other students did against the other students, and, uh, and I, on a, and I forget the name of the, the, the fake client we were representing, but I threw, at the very end, I said, we also want to rename the entire building, like the employer, uh, after the, after the employer, after the employee who was discriminated against. And he's like, well, and he was like all gruff about it. And this, mind you, this is all fake. And as soon as he leaves the room, Rebecca just starts laughing her butt off. Because I just, she's like, how did you keep a straight face asking for that? Like, that's not in our notes. That's not in our list of demands. And I was just like, well... That'd be funny. <laughs> oh, so, so fast forward, we graduate from law school, and uh, Rebecca wants to study for the bar, and so it's me, Rebecca, and our friend John, who study together. Uh, later on in life, I'm going to tell you the best amount of people to study with is three, or three altogether, you and two other people. Anything more than that, it turns into a social gathering. Anything less than that, and you you might not, you don't have enough people to disagree if there's a legit disagreement in what you learned. Three is the, I think, the perfect number for studying. And we use that for the bar, to study for the bar exam. And I was mean to them. I, I told, you know, for the bar exam, I... I did not go to UC Berkeley, but I, that's where I studied for the bar. I thought I will do practice exams. <sighs> I'll do practice, practice exams around between 9 and noon. Because that's when the actual bar exam is. It's between 9, 9 to 10 to 11 to 12. So it goes 9 to noon and then 2 to to five. So you have a two hour break in, in between for the bar exam. So I thought, well, if I'm going to get my mind ready for the, for the, for the bar, I'm going to start doing practice exams under exam conditions at those times. So when I actually do sit for the bar, my brain is not going to be all screwed. It'd be like, my brain will be trained to, to be really concentrating at those times. And so Rebecca was living for like a month or two at a sorority in Berkeley, which is close to the sorority I actually lived at. So I would wake her ass up at like 7.30. I would bar over to Berkeley. I'd wake her butt up. I'd wake like, John, I was like, you guys need to be here at 8 a.m. No later. We're going to do this much work. We're going to do all this stuff. And then at night, I was the, kind of like the proctor for Barbary, which is like the bar prep place. 
and Barbary uh, sent us all these videos. It was in a, in, it was in this closet, and I would open up the thing, I would bring the the tape out, and all of us law students would watch it in the evening. It's kind of like a refresher, and uh, a bunch of other stuff too. But I, I, di- I thought well, I'm not going to do a training in the middle of the day when I could be doing practice practice exams. So I was just militant. I made I made it my obsession to pass that exam, and I tried to teach myself that I I was enjoying it. I was not, but I tried to tell myself this is fun. I love doing this. Who cares if I'm getting them all wrong? You know, just, uh, and so Rebecca was there and John was there, <clears throat> and so we uh, after dinner, um, after I came back from getting the ice cream, I told your mom, "Hey, let's clean up. Rebecca's coming over with her two kids," and I was all excited, but they just stayed a little too late at the restaurant and they couldn't make it. They're like, "We gotta get back home." So uh, it was a little heartbreaking. Really wanted to uh, your your mom to to see her. But it was late. It was like 8.40 when she texted me that they were leaving. It was like, the later I got, the more I thought, yeah, they, they aren't going to make it. So that's sad. I love her parents, too. Great people. And unfortunately, we were supposed to do a, a round of Dungeons & Dragons. Where, uh, you know, especially the namesake. Actually, all, all, all four of you like really love it. And so I've developed this adventure. You guys are kind of slowly going on. And this morning... Uh, we're going to continue that adventure. I have some exciting stuff going on. I think I'm going to make one of you guys in, inadvertently the antagonist. I'm thinking making the, the spy it. So the last time we were for Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, um, you guys set off on an adventure to kill an evil being in this realm that I've developed. And, and so you kids are all excited. The evil being is a baby, by the way, like a toddler, but I like made it look like, oh, it's, it's a changeling, like it, it, it could change. Right now it's in the form of a baby, and you, know, you guys have to band together with your skills and, and all this stuff, and so it's, it's exciting. You guys love it, and so I'm, I'm loving it, and no, it is not satanic. Growing up in the 80s, like everything was satanic. Oh, that's satanic. This is satanic. Everything is just not you know, and, and, and it's it's not. There's no such thing. I mean, there's such thing, but it's just like, there's this huge satanic uh, uh, panic, in a way. And uh, my dad, I, I, I never really even thought about Dungeons and Dragons, but my dad was like, you'll never do that. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I, I never really asked, but... Um, so, so, uh, oh, I should have turned in there. Oh, coffee's ready. So I'm going to go into Starbucks and get some coffee. Um, don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I'm trying to keep on a budget. Sorry, I'm driving around. It must be so frustrating to hear me, like, talking over the, the loud sound of the truck. And I'm just going to go around this thing. Oh, kids. So we'll, we're going to be doing an adventuring this morning. Your mom, your mom told me maybe we shouldn't do summer scholars work this morning. Because usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll have all these assignments for you guys to do in the morning, depending on your development. So the older two will do math sprints. 
it's just a bunch of math questions you have to do really quickly and hopefully accurately and then write some paragraphs and the third child the king I want him doing what are you doing uh, handwriting because your handwriting is, is terrible and so is mine so I'm you know you, as a parent you, you have to be nice but you also have to like point out when your kids need to work on stuff king your handwriting is terrible at this time in your life and you're hating me because I'm having you write all these sentences like 20 sentences in the morning trying to incorporate every letter in the alphabet that's pretty hard and the fourth child I yesterday I just had you write down all of our like our address ten times and it was too much for you all day so so I um so what I do uh you weren't on screens at all until like I was almost done roasting the chicken I'm gonna pause this for a second so I could go into Starbucks and order something all right back in the car I was talking about something. <clears throat> oh yeah, so I'm excited to have a little Dungeons and Dragons adventure today with you guys. Let's see. Just adjusting my Starbucks cup. So the logo on the coffee sleeve matches the logo on the cup and the small little opening is flush with both of those. Alright. So what's what else has been going on last we just had Fourth of July, I'll tell you what happened then. Oh Fourth of July. <clears throat> it was not easy. We uh so, uh, it's the first time they did a parade in our town in years cause, because of COVID. So, they do the parade, and I thought, you know, it'd be fun. The king, he's in, um, he's in Cub Scouts, and the Cub Scouts always have, like, a bicycle float. Like, not, like, a bicycle, like, they have all their Cub Scouts ride bicycles throughout the parade, which I think looks really fun, and... So I entered him into that. He was a little begrudging, but he was excited to do it. And so we did that. And uh, I asked him, like we, me and me and your mom asked him, hey, which which parent do you want to ride the bike with during the parade? And I thought I really want to do it because I don't want to deal with having to put chairs up putting chairs up at the 4th of July parade is kind of a pain in the butt. It's, you have to get there early. You have to leave the chairs. And you have to think, well, maybe they'll be stolen. You know, you don't know. And so we... So he, when we asked him, he said he wanted his mom to ride bikes with him. It's like, oh, fine. I was a little disappointed, but uh, that's fine. Uh, and so I kind of strong-armed the others into walking the parade in the soccer float, the soccer club. And, uh, the other three were not enthused at all. In fact, they were pretty upset about it. 
namesake wanted me to make cookie dough for him so he could make cookies throughout the week. And he wanted an, an everything bagel with plain cream cheese. So I got that. And once he was on board, the other two were like, fine. But the entrepreneur was not too excited. I just run over. Oh my God. Just ran over something. Curb. And I spilled coffee all over the place. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I got some tissue. My lord. Um, it's everywhere. Um, my pants. Oh, life goes on. So, you guys were not happy about being in the parade. And the spy told me point blank he was not doing the parade at all that morning. He's like, I'm not doing it. You have this um, habit of just doing that. Whenever something happens and you don't like it, you just automatically say, I'm not doing it. And it takes all the patience in my life not to just jump down your throat. It's been a little challenging with with you lately, Spy. Uh, so... We go to the parade, we have to walk back and forth looking for this, looking for the float, which is a fancy phrase. It was just a car with like a little trailer. And uh, and about half of 1% in the parade, like almost no time at all, the spy could not do it, and so I put him on my shoulders, and then I realized, uh, oh, your grandma's in the audience of the parade, she's probably going to be watching, I'm going to take you to her, because I, I mean, it's a three and a half mile parade, there's no way he would, you would have been able to walk it, <clears throat> he could have sat on the float, because there's like a little trailer with like fake grass, and, and I just thought, no, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. So I walked you over to your grandma, <clears throat> and I let you go. And it was really cute. Your uh, your mom's dad, tall grandpa, as you guys call him, he was on one side of the street, and he was kind of like just following our float for a while. And he actually pointed to where your grandma was. He didn't want us to miss where his grand, where you know your grandma Soto was, which I think was very sweet of him to do that. Because that's his ex-wife, and he could have been... I mean, he's not like this. He doesn't have, like, a mean bone in his body, but he could have just said hi and then walked off. But no, he, he really wanted us all to make sure to point and smile at, at Grandma. So that was really sweet. I and mean, he walked with, he walked the same pace as the float. And we have some really good photos of him waving to us as, as we're walking. And we walked that the whole time, three and a half miles. It's... It's a long walk, I'll tell you that. And after we did that, we, we, uh, after that whole thing finished, we met your mom on the, literally on the other side of, of our town. And we watched the rest of the parade where we were. Then my lovely cousin, my, first, my mom's oldest son, my, my mom's 
older sister's son. He works for the Oakland A's, and he got us amazing tickets to see the A's game. Amazing. Because it's a fireworks show, and your mom hasn't seen fireworks in so long, and, and so we... You're, and your dad, you're, you're, not your, dad your, your grandpa, came with us. We had an extra ticket for your grandma, but she was exhausted, so she gave it to you. Um, it's all grandpa, and we went. We had a great time. We, we sat in the section of all the players' wives, which was interesting, because they're all really young. <laughs> uh, um... I mean, to me, I guess. To me, they're almost like children to me. But um, it was just—it's funny. Uh, and we uh, we had a great time. I the the spy and the king really wanted to go down to the field to watch the, the fireworks. I really did not. And your your lovely grandpa decided to go with you guys, so you guys can experience being on the field. We had perfect seats where we were. We were, like, really close to the field anyways. We had perfect back support. All we had to do was look up. And I was talking to the entrepreneur who wanted to stay with me. And I was telling her about how the Oakland A's, they have this tradition where before they turn the lights out, they play the song called Lights by Journey. And during the song, they shut all the lights out in the park. And it's a really cool thing. And, like, less than a minute before the, the um, lights, before they play the song, the entrepreneur says, I have to go to the bathroom. And she runs up in out of view to go to the bathroom. And then she proceeds to get lost for, like, five minutes. Even though the bathroom is right next to our stands. And, and your mom and I were like, is she old enough to do this? And your mom was like, yes. And I was like, nope. And, like, a minute later... After you left, I ran up to try and look for you, and I'm, like, yelling in the women's bathroom, which is right next to where we are, and I'm, like, getting really scared and kind of upset because you missed it, and then finally I, I get back, and your mom's like, oh, she just got back, because I don't know where you went, by the way, um, and she's, and you're sobbing because you missed the part where they turn off the lights, and I'm just like, ugh, I shouldn't have said all that, I shouldn't have told her about the how they, I don't know, I, just, I felt so bad that you missed it. So we're going to have to go to the next fireworks, just so you don't miss it. Um, um, and then, after the fireworks were done, if that wasn't enough drama, the spy decides to, you have to leave the field, so you have to go through the same way you came in, and so you have to go up the stands, up the stairs, and you decide to just ignore your grandpa, and you ran ahead like 60, 50 or 60 feet, which isn't really a lot of distance, but between in 50 or 60 feet, there's about 100 people, and then in the crowd, when you got to the top of the stairs, I think we met eyes, and I pointed at you to try and stay, and I think you saw the anger behind my eyes, because I was upset you walked ahead, and... I got, I, I tried to fish through the crowd, and I was about to start yelling your description, you know, seven-year-old, blonde, boy, wearing this, please stop and look right now, 
and before I was, I like took a deep breath and I was just gonna just have the whole crowd stop because you were missing. I did not, for a good minute, I did not know where you were. And once you got up to the top of the stairs, the crowd was in the thousands. And then, then out of nowhere, I hear your mom say, I've got him. And I was relieved and just, I've infuriated. I, oh, your mom saved your life that day, Spy. She saved your life. It was not going to be good. So we, your mom wrapped a blanket around you really hard and we walked back to the, to the car. It was, I mean, aside from that, yeah, that was a rough time, but you had a blast. I had, everyone in the, in the family just had a great time. Before we got into the game, we tailgated with my friends from church. My, like, I would consider him a brother. We just had this great time drinking, eating some food. And it was a great day. It was a really great day, and I, I hope to do it again without the drama. But. I was very, very pleased. So, now on our side of the town, probably get to the ferry building and start reading. I have to admit, I don't know what we're doing in this Dungeons and Dragons game. Well, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I wish I did. I don't. I, I have a feeling I'm gonna walk you guys into a dungeon. That might save me some time. And uh, I gotta think of some monsters for you guys to face, or maybe some some puzzles. I don't know. I, the first few episodes of this story arc, I, I really researched, but this I, I'm kind of dialing it in today. So I, I apologize. Hopefully, you don't notice it until like you listen to this podcast. You know, when you're in your 30s or maybe 20s. I don't know. One of these days, I'm just gonna um, brew some tea and maybe just take a bike ride to someplace and read outside. Maybe I'll do that. You know, I've noticed that most of the time I'm reading this Bible to you guys, I'm overlooking water. Last time I did it, I was on the other side near the, the old uh, uh, abandoned Navy base. Now I'm doing it at the ferry building, which is probably 100 feet from the actual bay. I wonder why. You know, I, I, I would do this at home, but the king woke up one day, one morning, like at 4 a.m., said, Dad, I could hear you talking. What are you doing? And so I had to stop. Didn't want him to get wise. And also, because I have insomnia, I didn't want to like, cause other people to lose sleep. I'm going to pause it for a second so I could out parking and then we'll read second kings i think six six seven and eight today i liked i like doing three chapters maybe more we'll see it's not about finishing it's about but it's more about quality than quantity pause it for now all right just parking thank you for waiting that one second The plan is, after the Dungeons and Dragons session today, we guys have swimming, 
lessons at the high school, and then we will, then I want to take you guys to the beach and hang out at the beach for the rest of the day. It'll make your mom really happy. She loves the beach. I don't, and neither do you guys, but it's just, it would make her happy. Make her very happy, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the plan is. Okay, so let's see. Let me look at the recordings. Hmm. I actually can't look at them really quick. I know I did. I had to do two through five last week. sweetest in the world. I found a little card in my Bible. It says Jorge. It's like gold lettering. Obviously someone took a lot of time to, to do that. It says Dear Jorge, you help me a lot with keeping the peace in our house. Love you. Love Lydia. That makes me almost want to cry. Isn't that the greatest thing I've ever seen? Oh my gosh. I am keeping that forever. Why is it in my Bible? But I don't care. That's the greatest. Okay. Last time we were in Second Kings, Elijah was taken up. Okay, yeah, so, 2 Kings, chapter 6. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, uh, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. How interesting. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself and there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Oh, it's a heck of an indictment. 
and he said, sorry, this next to pretty close to an airport. It's kind of early for a flight. The King of Syria said, go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those of you uh, whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast, and when they had drink, eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master, and the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and they besieged it, as they besieged it, until a donkey's head was sold for eighty shekels of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five shekels of silver. Now as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord will not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? And the king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day I said to her, Give your son that we may eat him, but she has hidden her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. And he said, May God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Elisha was sitting in his house. Take a quick sip. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this murderer has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still speaking with him, the messenger came down with him and said, This trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Chapter 7. But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time at Sia, 
a fine wait about this time a sia which what's a sia let me see about seven quarts that's what a sia is seven quarts of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two sias of barley for a shekel at the gate of samaria then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of god if the lord himself should make windows in heaven could this thing be but he said you shall see it with your own eyes but you shall not eat of it now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate and they said to one another why are we sitting here until we die if we say let us enter the city the famine is in the city and we shall die there and if we sit here we die also so now come let us go over to the camp of the syrians if they spare our lives we shall live and if they kill us we shall die so they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the syrians but when they came to the edge of the camp of the syrians behold there was no one there for the Lord made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and the horses and the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning, light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there, nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out, and it was told within the king's household. And the king arose uh, in the night and said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry, therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking, When they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants said, Let some men take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let us send and see. So they took two horsemen, and the king sent them, and after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. So they went after them as far as the Jordan. And behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment. And the Syrians had thrown away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp with, of the Syrians. Hold on. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trampled him in the gate so that he died, as the man of God had said, when the king came down to him, for when the man of God had said to the king, Two seahs of barley shall be sold for a shekel, and a sea of fine flour for a shekel. About this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria, the captain had answered the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, And he had said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Sip. 
wonder what the weather's going to be like today. Let's see. Maybe a little warm, I hope. I don't know. It's going to be cold today. I don't think we're going to go to the beach. Yeah, we're not going to the beach today. Too cold. Do another time. Chapter 8. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And at the end of these seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king for her house and her land. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to, the life, to life, behold, the woman whose son had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, here is the woman, and here is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed an official for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left the land until now. Now Elisha came to Damascus. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick, and when it was told the man of God had come here, the king said to Hazael, Take a present with you and go to meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord through him, saying, Shall I recover from the sickness? So Hazael went to meet him and took a present with him, all kinds of goods of Damascus, forty camel loads. When he came and stood before him, he said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from the sickness? And Elisha said to him, Go say to him, You shall certainly recover, but the Lord has shown me that he shall certainly die. And he fixed his gaze and stared at him until he was embarrassed. And the man of God wept. And Hazael said, Why does my Lord weep? And he answered, Because I know the evil that you will do to the people of Israel. You will set on fire their fortresses, and you will kill their young men with the sword, and dash in pieces their little ones, and rip open the preg their pregnant women. And Hazael said, What is your servant who is but a dog, that he should do this great thing? Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me, oh, excuse me, sorry, they're plain. The Lord has shown me that you are to be king over Syria. Then he departed from Elisha and came to his master, who said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me that you would certainly recover, but the next day he took the bedcloth and dipped it in water and spread it over his face till he died. And Hazael became king in his place. In the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, the king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years uh, in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, and the house of Ahab had done, for their daughter of Ahab was his wife. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah for the sake of David, his servant, since he promised to give a lamp to his feet and to his sons forever. In his days... Edom revolted from the rule of Judah and set up a king of their own. Then Joram passed over to Zer with all the chariots and rose by night, and he and his chariot commanders struck the Edomites who had surrounded him, but his army fled home. 
So Edom revolted from the rule of Judah to this day. Then Libna revolted at the same time. Now the rest of the acts of Joram and all he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Joram slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Joram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was twenty-two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah. She was the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. He also walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done, for he was the son-in-law to the house of Ahab. He went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to make war against Hazael, king of Syria, and Ramoth-Gilead, and the Syrians wounded Joram. And King Joram returned to, the, to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds of the Syrians given him to Ramah when he fought uh, against Hazael, king of Syria. And, Ahaz, and Ahaziah, the son of Joram, uh, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. I'm going to hold it here because I think nine is a little bit longer and I've been talking for an hour. So let's just stop for a second. Uh, give me one moment to look at something real quick. A lot of interesting things going on here. Reading a couple of the notes. The story about the axe head being recovered, it's interesting. I was confused about why that would even be in the Bible. Uh, evidently at the time, what the notes say is iron was extremely rare and very, very expensive. And it just showed that God was taking care of one of those who, who were faithful to him by allowing Elisha to recover the axe head. I think that's what that story is trying to convey. Notice a lot of... There's a theme going on that's been going on for actually for a while, but that there are two types of leaders in Israel. In Judah, I guess we call it Israel and Judah now. There are political leaders, which are kings, and then spiritual leaders, who are the prophets. And neither one of those are without blemish. Like, they're both, they could both be seen as not perfect. We'll just call it that way. But lately, the prophets, like Elisha, has been doing a lot of work, and the kings have not been very uh, appreciative of what they've been doing. I mean, the one can, there's a Jeroboam, wanted, wanted to decapitate Elisha because he thought that siege was from the Lord. And uh, it wasn't. It was, it was the Sumerians that did it. But it's a little crazy how quickly we leave God when things aren't going that well. Like how immediately we're like, nope, don't want to have anything to do with that, even though a few chapters before, great miracles happened. I think the lesson 
in this is you have to be ever faithful with God. And there's going to be good times and bad times. God cannot make everything completely perfect for you on earth. That's the next place you'll go. So I would add, I would advise you kids, pray for faith and fortitude in that faith. Pray that you'll pass all these tests. Not just pass, but like you won't be dragged down. Pray that outside forces can never tear you away from your faith in Jesus. say to you never forget what God's done for you that's one of the things you see that a lot throughout the Old Testament is don't forget what God did for you in Israel or in in Egypt I think that's the the reason it, it keeps getting mentioned is so people don't forget who not just who they are but where they came from and what God did for them and where they are now because of what God did for them. So ask yourself this. Where you are now in your life, why is it miraculous? Because I know it is. But, and what are the miracles that brought you to your place where you're at? And yeah, you're having a, a tough time. I get it. I was your age once. Sometimes things suck. And I, I would humbly submit to you that you remember the things God has done for you up to this point and what he's probably going to be doing for you later on today and tomorrow and the next day and next year and 10 years from now and 20 years from now. Because God is ever faithful. You may not see it like with your own eyes constantly, but you know God's done a lot for you this far. And as the phrase goes, if he brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Nothing could be truer than that. So, oh, I'm feeling sleepy. I'm really exhausted. So, hmm. So, I love you kids. I, I bless you. I, every blessing I could possibly imagine. Give your mom a call sometime today. Or one of your siblings. Um, you said hi, that you love them, and you're proud of them. And mean it. Definitely mean what you say tell them that because I'm very proud of you guys it's very exciting to be your dad I love it all of you equally so have a, a wonderful day if you can if you're having a tough day I'm sorry just know I'm here for you I'll do anything for you and, uh, and in everything you do do it for the kingdom Yeah.
and the king. God bless. Rescue of our souls, he has come.